You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. An injunction has been granted to stop anti-pipeline activists from protesting at two Burnaby terminals. It comes the day after Alberta Premier Rachel Notley threatened to cut oil shipments to B.C. over the pipeline dispute. Paul Johnson now on how real that threat is and what it means for our province. One thing might ultimately turn into uh, the restriction of supply. Forget the wine wars. If Alberta Premier Notley follows through on her threat to turn down the tap on fuel shipments to B.C., that might truly feel like the nuclear option. This would have uh, untold implications almost immediately, uh, rolling shortages at many gas stations. Analysts see truckers not being able to get diesel and even airplanes avoiding YVR if they can't get jet fuel. If B.C. wants to toy with the idea of blocking a pipeline, Notley wants to remind B.C. where they get much of their gas from. Notley's strategy is based on two things. One, the lower mainland is where most of the opposition to the pipeline is coming from. And two, this area already has some of the highest gas prices in North America. On paper, it's a menacing threat. But will it work? It's a fraught measure, potentially, both because it would imply costs to the Alberta government. You reduce the supply of oil, you'll get less revenue from oil, and there are also unanticipated consequences. But however governments deal with the new threat from Edmonton, there's another wild card in the mix. The coalition of environmentalists and First Nations willing to risk arrest is only strengthening. Consider this man's challenge to Prime Minister Trudeau for a boxing match over his support for the project. And I'm challenging you, tough guy, ordinary guy, to do the right thing. Come on, where are you? Paul Johnson, Global News, Vancouver. And Keith Baldry joins us now with more perspective on why the two sides are digging in on this. Keith? Yeah, politics, pure and simple, Sophie, uh, and self-preservation. Uh, Rachel Notley has to be seen as being as aggressive and as tough as possible defending Alberta's interests. She doesn't really care what B.C. thinks. She's got an election coming up next year, and she's going to square off against Jason Kenney, a very aggressive anti-B.C. Uh, government position as, as well as the head of the United Conservative Party. So that's her big concern. John Horgan and the NDP can't be seen as giving in because they are in power because they want a lot of ridings around Metro Vancouver, where opposition to the Pipeline because of the increased tra uh, tanker traffic flow is more uh, pronounced and profound. So he has to be seen as doing all he can to stop uh, the pipeline, even though at the end of the day he may be powerless. And Notley has to be seen as doing as much as she can to ensure that pipeline goes ahead. It's all about politics and nothing else. All right, we'll see how it unfolds. Thanks, Keith. Yeah. A judge has tossed out a constitutional challenge launched by two convicted polygamists. Winston Blackmore and James Oler arrived at the Cranbrook Courthouse this morning. Last July, the Bountiful area men were found guilty of having multiple wives, but they appealed, arguing that the law violated their charter rights. Today, though, a judge ruled against them. I know one thing, and that is that our faith is as good as anybody's. But at the, at the end of the day, we, we need to be people who try to respect the laws of our country. 
The case returns to court May 15th for a sentencing hearing. Well, just as spring break is about to kick into high gear, multiple warnings tonight about a tourist hotspot. Mexico has long been popular with Canadians, but potential safety concerns may have you changing your mind. Romina Dea joins us live at YVR with the details. Romina, what do travelers need to know? Sophie, the Canadian government's safety and security warning for travelers heading to Playa del Carmen still stands tonight. The warning comes in the wake of an explosion just over two weeks ago on a tourist ferry in Playa del Carmen, which injured more than 20 people. Now, the government is asking Canadians to exercise a high degree of caution in the area and avoid taking tourist ferries. The advisory notes the U.S. actually issued an alert on Wednesday, warning Americans that information had surfaced about a security threat in the popular beach town. Another explosive device was found on a ferry last week, but it did not detonate. Now, another popular Mexican tourist destination is also making headlines today. Los Cabos has been named the most violent city in the world, according to a new report in the Daily Mail. Despite the concerns, we spoke to many travelers at YVR today who are not canceling their plans now or in the future. I've been there several times. It's a travel advisory. They haven't blocked Canadians from going. To me, it's a one-off thing in Mexico, and uh, it's not going to deter, deter my decision at all. Make sure that we take extra precautions when we travel, and we always are very, very cautious, but I don't think it would deter us at all. They're not telling you not to go. The Canadian government is telling you to be on high alert. So you should be aware of your surroundings. You should register your trip on travel.gc.ca so that anything goes sideways, the government will know how to contact you. Your hotel is your safest place to be. All right, good advice from Claire there, Romina. For travelers who are concerned, what should they know if they're thinking about canceling their trip? Key thing here, Sophie, because this is just an advisory, not a travel ban, the likelihood of trying to cancel your trip will not be covered by insurance. Back to you. Good to know. Romina, thanks for that. Seven people sent to hospital this morning, two with life-threatening injuries, a third with serious injuries after a head-on crash in Vancouver. It happened just after 6 this morning at Grandview Highway between Nanaimo and Slocan Streets. The VPD says a black Ford Focus and a black Mercedes were involved. The road was closed until late this afternoon as the collision investigation unit went over the scene. Witnesses or anyone who might have dash cam footage is asked to contact Vancouver police. Transit users will soon have a new option to pay for their rides. Starting this spring, you can tap your credit card on card readers to directly pay for your fare. Aaron MacArthur has more on how it works and why it'll be important to tap your card and not your wallet. Tap in tap out. By all accounts, the compass card fare gates work well. But a new addition to the gates will mean some people are going to need to change the way they tap. The gates will soon take credit cards, and TransLink is warning passengers it might mean having the wrong card dinged. You don't want to end up in a position where, you know, the unintended card, whether it be the Visa or the MasterCard in your wallet, is charged on one entry, and then your compass card is charged on the other exit. The option for mobile pay really being done to accommodate tourists or infrequent transit users. No long lineups, no need to reload a card, simply flash your visa or mobile wallet on your phone and the gates will open. 
all the time we need like to recharge our contest yeah. car and sometimes we forget. Yeah. <laughs> Tap to pay fare gates are up and running in London and Chicago with few issues and relatively painless uptake by transit users. In Vancouver, most people actually take their cars out anyway. Well, I do it because it won't work otherwise. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I have like eight things that tapped in my wallet, so I don't really have any other options, right? It's easier that way because all the other cards actually interact with it and it causes problems with it if I don't take it out. So. Tap your card, not your wallet. Rollout for tap to pay will happen later this spring. Make sure you check your credit card statements. The fare is much higher than the stored value on your compass card. The Global News. A rezoning application for the Shaughnessy neighborhood is raising eyebrows tonight. The plan is to redevelop what is currently a large single-family home lot into 21 new homes. But Ted Chernecki tells us why there is skepticism about whether it will work. It'll be the end of an era if approved. Those monster mansions shrouded by the tall hedges that border Granville Street could soon be no more. I think for years, many of us have argued that we should densify the arterials. Now, some would say, why the arterials? They're the noisiest, dirtiest part of the city. But somehow it seems more acceptable. You are closer to transit. Builders, of course, will need to go to City Hall to seek a change in zoning, and there will likely be some pushback. This city has a difficulty with the acceptance of individuals for densification. They think that's their right to have a large lot, large property, large everything else. The owner of just one lot, 17,500 square feet of real estate, is going to City Hall seeking approval to build 21 stacked townhomes here. And they're using a city policy that allows rezoning if whatever is built is sold below market value. This policy was put in place about six years ago, and since then, We've not had one project come forward under the affordable housing because nobody really knows how do you make it affordable in perpetuity. The Granville Street condo development goes before council next month. Even if it gets rejected, real estate watchers believe it's only a matter of time before the single-family homes disappear along Granville. Densifying things is something that's going to happen in this city. It's nothing that people can do about it. There's a million people coming in over the next who knows how long. Where are we going to put them? Like, every one of these houses is a monster. While Granville, with its large lots, is a prime candidate for densification, in fact, throughout the Lower Mainland, all arterial routes will have to densify. Ted Chernecki, Global News. Right now, though, the Me Too movement has surfaced again in B.C., but this time the target of sexual harassment allegations is fighting back. In a news conference today, Vancouver actor Michael Coleman adamantly denied the accusations against him. Nadia Stewart reports. Any allegations against me are at best a wrong interpretation of events. In a candid press conference, Vancouver actor Michael Coleman spoke at length about the sexual harassment allegations being leveled against him. Claims he vehemently denies. None of these complaints have resulted in any formal claims. There are no formal investigations. There's nothing civil, criminal, nothing through my union, anything. The first of four allegations surfaced at a film industry town hall in Vancouver last October, organized by the Union of BC Performers at the height of the Me Too movement. Since then, three other women have come forward. She alleges that I had tried to kiss her 
during uh, private coachings. But Coleman says that did not happen. He says nothing ever happened. I've never kissed a student. I've never tried to kiss a student. I'll take it a step further. I've never kissed a staff member. I've never kissed an instructor. I've never tried to kiss a staff member. I've never tried to kiss an instructor. So I found incredible comfort in, in the arts. So a 25-year industry veteran, Coleman was best known for playing the happy dwarf on the Steveston film production Once Upon a Time. An acting school instructor and mentor, he says the allegations have cost him everything. On the screen grabs. But those rallying in support of the women who've come forward feel the whole story is yet to be told. I know for a fact he lied. And that's only myself. I don't know how many other people here want to talk about it, and I'm putting no one on it, but I can say without hesitation that pretty much everybody in there that was a supporter and sat silently and respectfully and watched all heard lies. Coleman supporters disagree. Never had an issue with him, never had a complaint against him. I'm sorry to all the women if there's people that have felt that there was misunderstandings or things that happened that were uncomfortable for them, um, but I have never seen that. His wife by his side, Coleman says he is considering legal action, not aimed at the women, but at those making defamatory comments on social media. In the meantime, he says he's trying to figure out how he moves on with his life after this. Adios to Global News. On the same day, the first video is released of the cleanup efforts inside Japan's destroyed Fukushima nuclear plant. A new report says the accident seven years ago caused no adverse effects on the B.C. coast. The 2011 tsunami caused meltdowns and hydrogen explosions, and 6,000 people are now working to decommission and dismantle the reactor. A study by SFU chemist... Kristov Starosta found some radioactive isotopes in B.C.'s soil and salmon, but they were below Canada's safety guidelines and pose minimal health risk. The city of Surrey is cutting the ribbon today on what it says is the future of renewable energy, a plant that converts curbside organic waste into energy that will, in part, power the very same trucks that collect the waste. John Watt reports. In 1985, it was an idea that could only come, well, back from the future. What are you doing, Doc? I need fuel. Move over, Mr. Fusion. The future is now in the city of Surrey. The city's natural gas fleet will literally be collecting their fuel source at curbside. All 65,000 tons of organic waste picked up in Surrey each year will be taken to its new $68 million home in Port Kells, where it's turned into compost and natural gas collected during the process. And whatever gas we don't utilize for our own municipal fleet or buildings, that we sell to Fortis as straight revenue. Now this biofuel facility will help the city of Surrey reduce its greenhouse gas emissions by 49,000 tons a year. That's about the same as taking... 10,000 cars off the road, helping the city of Surrey achieve carbon neutrality. If it's better for the environment, I see nothing wrong with it, unless unless it's going to cost us extra to to have to pay for it. Surrey says there will be no rise in taxes because of the new facility. When it comes to the smell of composting organic waste, learning from facilities like this one in Richmond, neighbours will complain about what's wafting in the air. One third of the cost of uh, building this was spent on ensuring that the odor control uh, is there. What's picked up by the curb? On ensuring that the odor control 
uh, is there. What's picked up by the curb in Surrey right now hitting less than 60% of the plant's total capacity. Which means if other cities are looking to unload their organics, Surrey is open for biofuel business. John Hua, Global News. History made in Regina today with the appointment of the first full-time female chief commissioner of the RCMP. Brenda Lucky is taking over a force that has been plagued by allegations of sexual discrimination and workplace bullying. She's known for being a hard worker, a dedicated officer, and someone who is constantly looking for ways to improve the status quo. Brenda Lucky is a 31-year veteran of the force, contributing to two UN missions and serving as commanding officer of the RCMP Training Academy. And the common thread of my time during my career has always been people first, for it is our employees' strengths, their knowledge, their commitment, and their diversity that makes us an organization of excellence. And some unexpected drama during today's announcement when two of the RCMP officers on hand for the ceremony collapsed. Mentored me and believed in me and who have forged the path to this very special day. Is having on the public's perception of this force across the country. Well, both Mounties were okay. The force says it's not uncommon for officers to pass out when they're on parade or, or standing for long periods of time in full dress. Global News has obtained new information on the Toronto Police Department's previous involvement with accused serial killer Bruce MacArthur. Police sources tell Global MacArthur was investigated back in 2016 after a man he met on a gay dating app claimed MacArthur had choked him. MacArthur denied the allegations and the officer investigating believed MacArthur's account and released him. Toronto police are conducting an internal investigation into the force's handling of the case, and Toronto's mayor is calling for a public inquiry. MacArthur is facing six counts of first-degree murder. Washington, D.C. and the international community is still abuzz tonight over the news that Donald Trump has agreed to meet at some point with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. The dramatic development followed once again today by conflicting and confusing messages from the White House. Tonight, the White House is preparing for an historic meeting between President Trump and Kim Jong-un. But where, when, and how it will take place is still up in the air. Those will be conversations that uh, take place at a much higher level and certainly outside of this room. Today, instead of clarity, mounting confusion after Press Secretary Sarah Sanders seemed to add new preconditions for the meeting, that North Korea takes steps to denuclearize, a process that's taken years with other countries. So it's possible that could not happen. I mean, there are a lot of things possible. I can tell you that the president has accepted that uh, invitation on the basis that we have concrete and verifiable steps. Within an hour, a senior administration official clarified the preconditions have not changed since last night. North Korea has to suspend missile tests, allow the U.S. and South Korea to continue with their planned military exercises. Sanctions against North Korea have to stay in place, and North Korea has to come to the table ready to talk about denuclearizing. Still, today's mixed messaging raising questions about whether the process was rushed, especially after the president made a decision so quickly he caught some of his own top officials at the White House and Pentagon off guard. Was this done in a haphazard way? 
not at all. As I said, that this has been part of an ongoing campaign that's been going uh, for over a year. It's more important now than ever that we have clarity of messaging from the White House, the State Department, the U.S. government about the nature of these discussions. It's all a remarkable turn of events after tensions had reached a boiling point. They will be met with fire and fury. Experts say stiff sanctions played a major role in breaking the impasse, with the president now facing his biggest foreign policy test yet. Kristen Welker, NBC News, the White House. It looks as though Volkswagen is killing the Beetle for good. The automaker stopped production of the original Bug in 1979, but it was revived in 1997. However, with sales declining in recent years, Volkswagen is now reportedly going to focus on its newer crossover and electric cars. There's no concrete timeline for when VW will sell its last Beetle. A Victoria woman is breathing easier tonight after finding out she will be getting access to a very expensive, life-changing drug for her cystic fibrosis. Lilia Zaharieva has been lobbying the province for more than six months to get Orkambi funded by Pharmacare. But it was Vertex, the manufacturer of the drug, that granted her compassionate care status and provided her with an ongoing supply that costs $250,000 a year. Still, she says the victory is bittersweet, knowing that many others are still suffering. Zaharieva is now not just motivated, but healthy enough to continue her fight. CF Canada estimates that there are 23 people that would ultimately need um, this kind of access in the province. And I think surely there's something that we can do. This is what life is about, and I've been given that chance. Orkambi has been rejected from Pharmacare coverage for lack of evidence showing effectiveness. The health ministry says it won't negotiate with Vertex until the drug gets federal approval. Meantime, a Langley woman is still fighting for funding for a drug she needs to fight her cancer. As Jennifer Palmer reports, while the medication has changed her life, she's in danger of running out of money to pay for it. And she's ramping up her efforts to convince the B.C. Cancer Agency to fund it. I've been feeling better less coughing, Um, I can do a flight of stairs without being winded. Karen McLaren can also enjoy going outside with her Great Danes. Karen is a metastatic breast cancer patient and needs an $8,000 a month drug to survive. This pill right here is $262.40. This pill, Ibrantz by Pfizer packs a life-saving punch, holding cancer at bay and restoring life. And while it's been approved by Health Canada, the BC Cancer Agency still isn't funding it. Right now, they're reviewing it. We can't wait. No cancer patient can wait. So change is need- needing to happen. Karen wants to get Ibrands approved in BC, especially since other provinces are covering the cost. There's a Facebook page, as well as a Change.org petition with more than 12,000 signatures. Karen has also helped deliver 1,500 postcards to Health Minister Adrian Dix. This drug has been successfully used in the USA. This drug is successfully used in the UK and around the world. Canada is the last country on board. No one from the BC Cancer Agency was able to comment on camera, but they do tell us that they're on track with their two to three month time limit that they had given us back in January, saying that there should be some kind of decision coming in the next few weeks. 
everybody deserves a fair and equal access to prolong their lives, in my opinion. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Karen says anyone who contacts her via her Facebook page will be sent a postcard that can be sent to the health minister. Former U.S. presidents and first ladies often retire to the lucrative speaking circuit. But Barack and Michelle Obama are also taking a bit of a different route. The couple is reportedly negotiating a deal to produce shows exclusively for Netflix. Neither the former first couple nor the streaming service are commenting. But the New York Times says they don't intend to use the shows to respond to Donald Trump or conservative critics. Right after the forecast, Squire Barnes dons white gloves to handle a priceless artifact at Science World. We'll tell you why. All right. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joining us now with a pretty good-looking forecast for the weekend, Christy. That's exactly right, Sophie. So some areas will hit 19 degrees in the coming days. I'll show you that in a second. But first, I want to show you this. Yes, this is Daisy Bell in action just east of Golden last week. She's a portable gas explorer transported on a 30-meter line below a helicopter. Avalanche control techs mounted the camera on her to get that unique view of the avalanche. And uh, this is what it looked like when they were doing their work. Great. Now, I did have a look at uh, Drive BC. There is one uh, closure happening tomorrow east of Golden. Between 4 and 6, it will be closed in both directions, and then there's no detour, and it's because of avalanche control. In general, across the province, according to Avalanche Canada, we will see a moderate to considerable risk right across the Rocky Mountains and the South Coast Mountains through the weekend. So be aware of that if you're heading into the backcountry, of course, with all the sunshine. I know a lot of you will, but it is going to be a moderate to considerable Considerable in the coming days. Why is it going to be so warm? We've got this big upper level low that's parked itself and will sit there for a good couple of days. Uh, it's just off the BC coast and it's going to force all the warmth from California all the way up into our area. So as I mentioned, yes, some areas will hit 19 degrees and that's the case across the lower mainland. We always see a range in temperature across the lower mainland when we start to see the heat. So areas near the water, Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday and Monday, Monday, the two uh, warmest days at 14 and 15 degrees. But if you're away from the water, out towards Abbotsford, Langley, you could hit 19 degrees come Monday. So these potentially could be record-breaking conditions. We'll keep track of them for you and let you know. This is tomorrow, so a little rain along the coast, but otherwise sunshine and warmth. So Saturday is the start of the warmth. It continues to climb Sunday and Monday. And keep in mind, we are concerned about a little localized flooding because of the massive snowpack that we have. And with that warmth... It certainly could melt a lot of that, and then overnight conditions will freeze, and uh, it could be quite icy. So your five-day forecast shows sunshine right through until Monday. Don't forget, we change our clocks forward on Sunday. I'll show you that in a second, but Tuesday is when we're going to see things drop again, and into the late next week, it could get quite cold. So yes, Sunday at 2 o'clock, you need to spring ahead, so change your clocks forward. You do lose an hour of sleep, but sunset will be just after uh, 7 o'clock, and I'll leave you with our beautiful weather window from Kennedy Lake, just off of Tofino. Thanks to Carmen for that from today.
beautiful out there. Thank you very much, Christy. Well, there will be some serious geeking out for the next nine days at Science World. And Squire Barnes had a hands-on look. That's me. That's the guy right next to me. You'll see him in a sec. He had a hands-on look at the new temporary attraction. White gloves required for this experience. Squire gets the rare opportunity to hold Luke Skywalker's actual lightsaber from the first two Star Wars movies. It turns out this iconic science fiction artifact is nothing more than a dressed-up flash gun from a 1930s-era camera. So this, this prop, came from one of these. So you can see it, how it starts right there. That's it. So when when George Lucas needed a prop, his prop man went and just bought. He bought it. He bought a few of those, and uh, and with a little bit of modification. So the original original investments maybe between twelve and fifteen twelve and fifteen dollars. Twelve and fifteen dollars this cost. Right, and yeah. uh, just bought it auctioned by us for four hundred seventy thousand. Really? So, so it's gone up. So it's like a house in West Side of Vancouver. Exactly. Okay. So so it's been pretty good. Well. Well, like it went, it went up like a house. Okay. That's right. yeah. <laughs> the lightsaber will be on display for the next nine days as part of the Science of Ripley's Believe It or Not exhibit. The full exhibit runs through April 22nd. So now I have total street cred in the geek community because I held Excalibur. Totally. I held Mark Hamill's Did lightsaber. Do the thing like and make the noise? That- no, no. And that guy didn't say, I'm your father. So, you know, it wasn't the same. <laughs> but um, it, was all, it was all CGI'd, I guess. When they did it in the movie. Yeah. I, just, I still haven't quite figured out how it works. I ask Christy for tutorials all the time. All I know is I got to hold it. It was, uh, and, and when I came back and the Star Wars people in this room were like, <gasps> oh my God. Bowing down. This fire so cool. Have a look at that view, would you? <laughs> this will do. Just fine. Thank you. That's actor Chris Hemsworth, obviously enjoying his temporary home in Vancouver. He is back to work on the movie. Bad times at the El Royale. Also in that flick, Jeff Bridges and Dakota Johnson. You never know who you'll see in town. Well, I know. It's a town full of celebrities. Including you. He needs better lighting. Oh, there. That's good. Okay. See, I think that every time I see you walking around. That I need better lighting? Uh, no, that you're a celebrity. Oh, thank you very much. get a selfie with you. You should. <laughs> I will. Yeah, so and I can right get here. a selfie with you, too. Which, actually, you know what? That'd be worth money. Squire and Sophie selfie. Yes. (laughs) Uh, It appears the Seattle Seahawks have blown up the Legion of Boom. They traded away Michael Bennett a couple of days ago, and today they released defensive back Richard Sherman. Now, that move will save them $11 million so they can shop for free agents. Sherman and the Legion of Boom, of course, did deliver one Super Bowl title to Seattle and nearly a second, but if Sherman doesn't come back, The Seahawks lose a lot in him, even though he did spend half of last year out on the injured list. One of the big things the Seahawks and their fans will miss is Richard Sherman's honesty. Who can forget this from 2014? The final play, take me through it. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Who was talking about you? Crabtree, don't you open your mouth about And since entering the NFL as a fifth-round draft pick, Sherman was the best at interceptions. Nobody had more than the 32 he picked off from 2011 to 2018. Because of that, teams tried to avoid throwing in his direction. He tweeted out to the fans today that he loved his time in Seattle, but the feeling is when he does sign with another team, 
it'll likely be with a Super Bowl contender. Richard Sherman does not want to end his career on a team that's... Mediocre. However, if he doesn't sign anywhere else, the Seahawks could bring him back at a cheaper price. At the 31. Sherman does it again. Ah, that's too bad. He might come back, though. They could sign him back uh, for a cheaper price. Okay, if the... Uh, the Canucks, I should say, not if, they will host the Minnesota Wild tonight. Wild are currently in a playoff spot. The Canucks, of course, are light years away. Anders Nilsson will start in goal. Nikolai Godolbin's not going to play. I don't think Travis Green's mom's going to be happy about that. I know. He'll get a phone call for sure. Uh, defenseman Ben Hutton also out. He's had to sit out a few games this year. He doesn't uh, kill penalties. He doesn't play the power play. And that's part of it. There's other reasons as well that I'm not getting into all the time when it comes between me and a player and Again, he didn't. We had a lot of guys that weren't didn't play well last game. So this is not Ben Hutton played bad last game and he's out. It's that Viega's going in and Hutton's out. Simple as that. Okay, well, I get it. Uh, the game of football, both American and Canadian rules, really are a bastardized version of rugby. And Canada will have a player at the rugby sevens tournament starting tomorrow who knows both games. In fact, he still makes his living in the CFL. Devon Campbell, we know he can accelerate through gaps. Campbell on the outside. This is not only Tavon Campbell's rookie season on Canada's Rugby Sevens national squad, it's his first season of rugby ever. So to see him perform at the highest level in the world already is truly amazing. And for someone who's, who'd never played rugby before uh, Christmas this year, he's, he's had to learn his lessons on the world stage and uh, he's not far away from being uh, you know, one of the best players around. Campbell is used to performing on the field. He's been a defensive back in the CFL for three seasons, with stops in Calgary, Saskatchewan, and now Montreal. He was also a champion sprinter at the University of Regina, and that track-slash-football background was appealing to Rugby Canada, and also to Campbell, who's finding his way in a new sport on the fly. I didn't really use the field as much as I should have back when I first started with the Maple Leafs, and just... Just playing with the national team and the coaches are really harping, hey, just go for the side, go for the side, and you'll make room if anything. So I try to do that. He can only add value to what we're doing and the players have opened it. He's, he's a great guy and they've, they've welcomed him with open arms. Using ex-football players has helped the U.S. team go from a rugby seven weakling to a powerhouse. Perry Baker, who just joined the Americans two years ago, was named Sevens Player of the Year in 2017 and just led the Eagles to a win in last week's Sevens event in Las Vegas. So with that in mind, Rugby Canada is hoping there's a lot more Tavon Campbells out there willing to give this sport a shot. Rugby's not uh, uh, the biggest sport in Canada, which means that there's lots of people out there who probably have never been, um, you know, never seen it, never mind heard of it. So I'm sure there's people who, who get a chance to have a look because of Tavon's involvement and think, ah, I can do that. And they can only help Canada's rugby cause. Campbell isn't sure how long he can keep up being a two-sport pro athlete. They're both tough games, which Campbell found out quickly. Uh, let's just say I had a rude awakening in my first game. <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot more taxing on the lungs, and cardio has to really be up there. Campbell's hoping to leave opponents breathless this weekend as he plays his first matches for Canada on home soil. Very delay, global sports. The Valspar, Tiger Woods, will play this weekend. Not only will he play, he is in contention. He is only one off the lead, and for a while today, he was the leader. 
Tied for second with three others at the, uh, well, actually, no, more than three. See if he can put together a good Four swing. others at four under par. The leader is Corey Connors of Ontario. Look at this shot. He is two shots ahead of that group at minus four. There'll be big TV ratings for Tiger playing this weekend. Top two teams in basketball right now, Raptors, Rockets. Let's go. This one's in Toronto. Kyle Lowry. You can get to the rim against his team. For three. Count it. Raptors led 32-16 after one. 16 points in a quarter. Season low for the Rockets. Toronto's bench, huge. Fred Van Vliet with the layup. And the uh, Raptors won it by three over the Rockets. There you go. All right. Thank you very much, Squire. Let's check in with Jay Durant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Thank you, Sophie. We're following up on news that two convicted polygamists have lost their appeal of their guilty verdicts, meaning after more than 25 years since the story first came to the spotlight, Winston Blackmore and James Oler will face sentencing. And emergency crews, municipal leaders and the public are at a town hall in Surrey tonight talking about the impact of the opioid crisis on first responders. Among the speakers a paramedic who worked the scene of the Las Vegas shooting last year. We'll have those stories as well as another installment of our 11 at 11. I think you'll be a fan of this one, Sophie. It's in your wheelhouse. I'm a big fan of 11 at 11. Thanks, J.D. Squire is up next with Satellite Debris. But first, here's Kasha Badurka with five things you can do this weekend. Kasha. Well, let's begin with the Coquitlam Craft Beer Festival. It's back at Westwood Plateau Golf and Country Club, where you can sample beer from over 40 breweries and pair them up with delicacies from local restaurants. For the little ones now, kids entertainer Marnie is performing with a band and characters at Mount Pleasant Community Centre in Vancouver. Come join Marnie's magical musical mosh pit and see why she's won countless awards locally and internationally. Now for the big kids who like to groove. Live music, dancing and Appetizers are all on the bill at Beats and Bites, a fundraiser for Share Family and Community Services. Expect a party with live and silent auctions, a fun photo booth, and appearances by a few surprise legendary music icons. Every day is a great day to visit the Vancouver Art Gallery, and you'll find they hold various events almost every week. Tuesday nights, enjoy admission by donation, and be sure to check out the Octopus Eats Its Own Leg exhibit. That's on until May. It's said that Victoria has an abundance of two great things, beautiful historic churches and delicious chocolate. And on Sunday, indulge your senses in both. The Chocolate and Churches Walking Tour is happening yet again, giving locals and visitors a taste of Victoria's best. For more on this, head to globalnews.ca slash five things. This program is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners, plus get the best roadside assistance. Report some fresh snow on all the mountains of BC in the last 24 hours. The base at Whistler Blackcomb, 305 centimeters, 444 at Grouse, 428 Cypress, 420 Sasquatch. Revelstoke, a base of 278 centimeters, Manning Park, 232, 281 at Powder King, and Mount Washington, 245. Big White's base, 330, 271 at Silver Star, 241 Sun Peaks, and Apex, 295. Ooh, coming up on ET Candidates, Pam Anderson versus Tommy Lee in a very bizarre battle involving a punch-up with their son, Brandon. Plus, we sit down with Dame Helen Mirren to get her take on the royal wedding and her Oscar moment with the jet ski. That's all coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Sophie. All right. Thanks very much, Cheryl. It's Friday. Okay, so um, I have two commercials from uh, Sainsbury. The first one was actually for Valentine's Day, but... 
I don't care. I'm going to run it anyway, even though Valentine's Day has passed. Oh, Valentine's Day in Brazil is June 12th. So there. Perfect. So we're if you're good. Brazilian, you're well ahead Early. of it. So here we go. I no. know. Yeah. Yeah. Look <laughs> away, I'm hideous. <laughs> okay, so now, same company, what happens when kids are asked about dinner? If I was in charge of dinner, I would make, I would make a whole steak dinner. What about picnic for dinner? My favorite food is spaghetti bolognese. Spaghetti bolognese. Spaghetti. I know how to make that. Then you put onions and and uh, big big mushrooms in. The other stuff that goes with the spaghetti bolognese, not the spaghetti, the green bits. No, no, no. And then you chop them. Oh, mince. And then you put it in the oven. That's it done. That sounds like the goodest one ever. I would cook it for my whole family. Gosh, I like biscotti too. Biscotti is so good. Biscotti yeah. Okay. Uh, this is one from the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. We only ran it once, I think. Uh, you like avocados I from Mexico. Love avocado oh, yeah. from Mexico. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Behold the bounty of Earth. This is the cube of Rubik. This simple puzzle was actually considered unsolvable by the humans. Do they not have brains? Um, simple ones. Now, this was apparently a 21st century torture device. How long would they keep them strapped in there? Sometimes hours at a time. Pretty gruesome. And over here we have their alphabet. It was called emoji. Few symbols could express the vast extent of their emotion. Uh, they had chia pets. Just like we do. And this is the white and gold dress that caused the Civil War. This is Scott Bayo. But most amazing of all are the avocados from Mexico. They're always in season, so you can enjoy them all year long. Anybody want to feed Scott Bayo? It's included in the price of admission. No? I mean, he double dipped. He'll, he'll regenerate. No, he won't. He was a quad moker. Avocados from Mexico. <laughs> that was awesome. I don't know, but don't zap. I love those. I love, yes, they did. Small ones. <laughs> <laughs> what can we say? We did our best. Uh, final word on the weather and daylight savings. Yes, so that's Sunday. Uh, lots of sunshine right through to Monday. Yay! Basically. <laughs> Enjoy the rugby sevens all. Oh, that'll be fun. That's always good.